Welcome. Thank you for listening to this wholesome word by David Entry. The words you catch will change your world. May your story change from this message. Be blessed. Colossians chapter 1, reading from verse 15 to 22, says that, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, who were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind and wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Father, thank you for bringing us together so you can impact and infuse and transfer more of yourself into us through the delivery of your word. As your word is taught, let your grace be caught. As your word is taught, let revelation dawn. Grant us insight. Grant us illumination into your word. That will give us mastery in life after here. Thank you for the power of healing in your word. Thank you for the power of salvation in your word. Thank you for the power of deliverance in your word. Thank you for the power of forgiveness in your word. Thank you, O Lord, for the power of hope that your word brings. We pray that as your word is taught, grant us unique encounters and experiences in you all to the glory of your name in jesus name amen Amen. hallelujah god is good and he's certainly better than that god is good god is good he's better than that well colossians chapter one we understood how the church at Colossae were being intimidated, disrupted. They are a good church, but Paul had to get in quickly because infiltrations were trying to come in to dilute the focus of the church. So Paul's purpose of writing Colossians is to highlight the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ in the church. That's the main purpose for the writing of the supremacy of Christ. Say the supremacy of Christ, the supremacy of Christ. and the sufficiency of Christ. For the last time, supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. In the church, Christ is supreme. Not only in the church, but in the universe. So he presents to them, and then he asks, after all that we've taught, in the verse 15, he says that, he picks up and says that his dear son is the image of the invisible God. I like that bit. 
A God who cannot be seen has chosen to put his image in a physical expression of somebody. So God is invisible, but his image is in Christ. So Christ is the image of the invisible God. What is Christ? What is Christ? You are not telling me. You are just repeating scripture, and it helps your health and safety. So Christ is the image of the invisible God. He's not only the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of every creature, not believers. So the supremacy of Christ is not only restricted to the church. He is the firstborn of every creature. Whatever thing was created, he has supremacy over it. The firstborn, I've already explained this already. Firstborn means first above. Important, most important above creature. It's not because he's just a creature. But anything created is first above it. Our wealth, our climate, our finances, our economy, our government, our health, our education, our entertainment, everything. He's the firstborn of every creature. If it was created, he has created. So in our dealing with Christ, we have to put him above all this. He's supreme. So we don't prioritize anything in life above Christ. Whether we do that or not, he still is. When we do that, then we bring down his glory. And it's like when you're using um, magnifying glass and the sun. You go on the sun. You can use it. When I was in school, we used to use it to burn paper. Because the sun in the midday is hot. And then you can use the magnifying glass to divert or to channel the rays of the sun as a beam in one place and it can then it catches fire. So everything converges. Converges the, the sun's rays gets converged into one point and it can bend. Christ is supposed to be the firstborn of everything. Everything. He must be the one above all. Everything converges in his supremacy. So as soon as you make him supreme in everything. You bring together his glory and you concentrate it into your life. So he's already supreme. But how you allow and admit and engage and appreciate and welcome his supremacy in your life will determine your take-home pay. Will determine how it works for you. And if there is God, why are people suffering? What have you done about the God that is? The people suffering. Who told you we are suffering? Who are the people you are talking about? Have they called on God? Oh, but it's a whole nation. The whole nation. Read the Bible. A whole nation. Prayers make a difference. So people are suffering. The nations are suffering. Can they call on God together as a nation? Why don't they attempt it to see? A whole family is suffering. Have they called on the name of the Lord? Call on it. Oh, my, my life and my marriage. Husband, have you come together to pray together? Call on the name of the Lord. If you call on God, he'll show up. He said, from that, talking about Enoch, the days of Enoch, from that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. From the days of Enoch, men began to call on the name. From that time, after the first murder, we realized that Satan has infiltrated the system. If you don't call on the name of the Lord, you are next in line. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. He said, there was a boy and son, and called on his name. So then began men to call upon the name. From that time, men began to call because if you don't call on God's name, Satan is at rife. 
So people are not calling on God and they are asking if there is God. Why, 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 why are there so many problems in life? It depends on your definition of God. Yeah. It's like saying that if there's a government in this country, why is it that people don't have houses? How do you understand government? <laughs> Praise God. All right. So Jesus Christ is the firstborn of every creature. Verse 67 for by him were all things. This all, all, all. Verse 16 talks about all. Verse 17 talks about all. Verse 19 talks about all. Verse 20 talks about all. It's like all keeps appearing. So look at verse 16. For by him were all things created. Everything that has been created was created by him. Who? Not God. By Christ. The subject here is Christ. Christ, by him, by Christ, were all things created. Hallelujah. So by Christ were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible or invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, say all things. All things. Shows again here. All things were created by him and for him. All things were created by him and for him. Verse 17 says that, and he is before all things. What's, what's the meaning of all things? All things mean all things. All things means all things, including your wife, including your children, including your husband. He is before all things. Oh, but it's not so in everybody's life. Yeah, he, but he's still before. So when you begin to acknowledge that and enforce that, then you begin to benefit his goodness in your life. You begin to benefit from who he actually is. So he is before all things. Verse 17, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Everything adheres. Some translation use the word adheres. Everything holds together. Things are holding together. They consist, held together by Christ. In him, everything. Every, you see, not only things in the church, but things in life are held together by Christ. Years ago, around the First World War or the Second World War, if man had his way, they would destroy everything. They would destroy everything with even nuclear bombs and atomic bombs. And man can, with one button, destroy everything. But you try to press it, it can't destroy everything because we are here because Christ keeps everything together. Christ keeps everything. The reason why we still have oxygen to breathe and the deodorant having driven all the oxygen away is because Christ holds all things together. The vicious nature of the novel coronavirus, it was an aggressive killer. It, it could have wiped out a lot of people. But how come human beings get sustained? Coronavirus was not the first time. There have been different types of flus, and the Spanish flu even killed more people. All kinds of plagues, but human beings. Because Christ is the sustainer of all things. I submit to you, if, if you can appreciate the fact that he's the sustainer of all things, then it starts to imply that you are submitting to the fact, you are submitting to the fact that he's the sustainer of your health. You see, if you say Christ holds everything together and you admit that and you let him have the preeminence in your life, that means that in your health, he's going to take care of it. Amen. 
your finances and every aspect of your life. Because in him, all things are held together. Your children will not go wayward. Why? In him, all things are held together. Chenu Achibi says, things fall apart. But in Christ, all things are... Ah, hallelujah. Chenu Achibi said, the center cannot hold anymore. Things are falling apart. Some nations, some communities, some families, some relationships, you know, things are falling apart. The center cannot hold. Things are scattering. Things are shattering, scattering, falling apart. But thanks be to God that in him all things, oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In Christ, all things are held together. In Christ, all things are held together. In Christ, all things are held together. All things means all things. All things means all things. Not some things, please. He never said, that's why I kept emphasizing on all. He never said some things are held together. He said all, all in Christ. All things are held together. All things cohere. All things consist together. When you say coherent, so things cohere. They're able to come together in him. He holds all things. He holds our nation. He holds our family. If you are, if anything is working in your life, it's because of him. Even though you didn't call on him for that, if anything is working, that means that he's sustaining. The reason why the chair has not melted under your weight. Under your weight and under the heat. It's because he holds all things together. You are sitting on the chair and then he's holding the chair together. Wow. Yeah. You are driving the car. The tires are moving. If he doesn't hold all things together, one tire will be going front and the other one will be going reverse. <laughs> I'm telling you. You think it's science. He holds all things together. And science just discovered, discovers what are being held together. But he holds all things together. He holds all things together. Shout a living hallelujah. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, that's why I mentioned the Lord's book, he might have the preeminent, he is the preeminent one. He is supposed to have the supremacy and the preeminence. He stands above any other thing. When it comes to the church, even it's, it's much more serious. What is, what is a church where Christ doesn't stand out? It's a cult, not a church. It's a religious jamboree. What's, what's, what's the point of a church where Christ is not standing, having preeminence? Christ is not standing above everything. That's not a church. That's not a church. In the church, he must have, said that in all things, he might have the preeminence. In all things, it's supposed to be the first. It's supposed to be the, in all things. Sometimes when you are very upset, remember Christ is supposed to have the preeminence. 
Sometimes when you are very excited and you are emotionally high. Remember that he's supposed to have the preeminence. Hallelujah. For, I like it. So verse 16 said, in all things, it said, in him all things were created. Verse 17 says that it's before all things and by him all things. Verse 18 says that in all things he might have preeminence. Verse 19 says that for he pleased the Father that in him should all. Fullness? That's another one. What's, what's that? All fullness. Nothing is missing. In him, everything is full. All fullness dwells in him. Outside of him, everything is not full, empty. In him, all, it's, Bible says that, for it pleased the Father that in Christ, all fullness should dwell. Let me talk about all fullness. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says that he is the image, it says, Bible says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead physically. Not only physically, but in a body. In the body. Opera trinitatis adestra indivisa sant. Opera trinitatis adestra indivisa sant. The operations of the Trinity in the world are not divisible. So when you saw Christ walking, the Father was walking. The Spirit was walking. Anytime the Holy Spirit is working, Father is working, the Son is working. Every time the Son is working, the Father is working, the Spirit is. They work together because He is one God. So Bible says that when we saw physically Jesus in the bodily, in Him, even though you look at physical body, in Him, that's a, that's a mystery. That's, that's a conundrum. That God, Bible says that even the earth is his footstool. Most of you, don't, most of us have not seen footstool before. I know you have some at home. Something you put your foot on. The earth is his footstool. The Bible says even the heavens of the heavens cannot contain God. The heavens of the heavens, Isaiah 66 verse 1. That says the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So he said, the earth is his footstool. And then he says that, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heavens and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. Look at the question. It's a rhetorical question. It doesn't require an answer. He said, but will God indeed dwell on earth? He can't. How can God dwell on earth? Even the heavens and the earth, which is bigger, Talk about heavens, you are talking about the galaxies, the expanse. And he says that the heavens, scientists have not been able to explore the heavens. You can't keep going. So there's something somewhere. There's something somewhere. Keep going. They can't get. So you, you, we are limited and restricted in how far we can even research. You can't go any far. Being on Mars or the moon, go further. Get to the sun. You can. We are so limited. Do you know what is inside the sun? 
we are so limited, but God knows. Yes. But he says that all that, this, this expanse of the heaven, the heaven of the heavens cannot contain God. Will he dwell on earth? Where will he dwell? He can't dwell on earth. It's like your house. You struggle to park, park a bike. Is that a place you bring a bus? You don't have a bike to park. It's space for bike. You want to bring a coach. It says, will he dwell? See, even the heavens can continue. Is this the place he can dwell? God can dwell on earth. And Stephen said, Solomon built the temple. But we know God cannot dwell in things made by hands. And then, the earth cannot contain God, and yet one human being contained the fullness of God. What's his name? Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. His name is God. God, 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 God condensed himself. Condensed himself into one person. So the Bible says, in him dwelleth not the path not part, fullness, fullness of the Godhead. When you say Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. Wow. As he was, that's why he told them, have I been, I told Philip, have I been with you all this while you don't know me? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because the fullness of God dwells in me. That's it. That fullness is what he's talking about. He is the image of the invisible God. In the verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Why? The fullness dwells in him. Fullness. If you are looking for anything about God, there's no way you go anywhere. There's no need. You go anywhere. Come to Christ. But church, fullness dwells in him. Bible says, it pleased, that's even another expression, it pleased the father. Ah, the father was so happy <laughs> that in him all fullness should dwell. The father loved it. For it pleased the father that in Christ all fullness dwell. And you have this Christ as our Lord. What else do we need? Your God doesn't come near anything. Witchcraft is small. Yes. All kinds of clairvoyance and all kinds of other activities. Why are you trying to add something to Christ? You, when you have Christ, you don't need any other thing. Yes, 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 yes. Why? Why don't you need anything? All fullness dwells. Oh, hallelujah. All fullness dwells in him. So when you have Christ, you don't need any other thing. You don't need any other thing to help your life. Yeah. In fact, Colossians talks about how in the verse 10, chapter 2, you are complete in him. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principal. This all thing, all, all, all. Doesn't leave anything aside. Said so he's the head of all principalities and power. We are complete in him. Talking about the supremacy of Christ. He is supreme. And because 
we are complete in him, he's sufficient. Yes. Yes. He's enough. God is enough. Christ 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 is enough. If I can't find it in Christ, then I can't find it anywhere. Christ is enough. I can't leave Christ and go somewhere looking for. Because in him all, all fullness dwells. And he's enough. Praise God. So he says that Christ, it pleased the Father that the fullness should dwell. You remember in John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh. And the word became flesh. The word that was in the beginning, who was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him. And nothing was made that was made. The word in whom is life, and the life was the light of men, and that light shines in darkness, and darkness cannot comprehend it. Wow, hallelujah. Bible said that word eventually became flesh. And when the word became flesh, in that word that has been made flesh dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So he says that, then the word became flesh, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only, the monogenes, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. They brought criminals to him, he forgave them. You go to him, you have mercy full of grace. You go to him, you find the truth of life. Full of grace and truth. Verse 15 says that John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, this was him of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me. Why? Because he was before me. He comes after me, preferred before me. Why? Because he was actually before me. Even though he's coming after me, he's always been before me. Is it not reflected in what we just read in Colossians that he's before all things? John was too smart. John was too spiritual. John was too prophetic that he knew that even though he was coming to introduce this person, the person he was coming to introduce was after him. So you are coming to introduce that. That means that you have to speak before the person shows up. To introduce somebody, you must show up before the person shows up. So he said, I have shown up before the one I'm coming to introduce. I'm coming to introduce, so I've shown up. But I want to tell you, even though I've shown up, he has already showed up before I showed up. The one I'm coming to introduce is before me because he's preferred before me. Look at the verse 16. That's where I'm going by. No, my custom. I just like to read a few verses before. Verse 16. And of his of what? His fullness. Of what? His fullness. Of what? His fullness. There's fullness in Christ. There's fullness in Christ. And of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. Of his fullness. It pleased the Father that in him all fullness. He said, of his fullness have we all received. Of his fullness. Of his fullness. He came in the volume of the book with fullness of deity. 
and of his fullness. If you come to him, you are, you are exposed to the fullness of God. Hallelujah. If you stay outside of him, you will be looking for other gods, other gods, other gods, other religion, other systems, and you will still remain thirsty. You still remain deficient. You still know something is missing. You have the money, but something is missing. You have the contact, but something is missing. You have the image, but something is missing. Why would a celebrity commit suicide? Almost everybody in the West, almost, their biggest desire, dream, is to be a celebrity. How can you be a celebrity and kill yourself? Because nothing carries the fullness. There is no fullness anywhere. So never think that getting somewhere, getting a certain job, getting a certain money, getting a certain contact, getting something is what will make you full. Fullness only dwells in Christ. And of his full, oh, I feel like preaching. Thank you, Jesus. And of his fullness have we all received. And grace for grace. Grace for grace. Grace for grace. For it pleased the Father that in him all, that's that's a strong statement, that all fullness should dwell in him. (laughs) God, it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. It pleased the Father that in him him should all fullness dwell. (laughs) We are now getting deeper. You would think Paul has said a lot of deep things. But the thing keeps getting deeper. Because the riches of Christ is inexhaustible. It's unsearchable. You remember unsearchable riches? They're unsearchable. You can't exhaust it. Oh, the wisdom in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment. And his ways are, as past finding, science can keep, still, still keeps, his ways are past finding. It's gone beyond where you can find fully. That's why he has to reveal it. Or you can't go and find the will of God. It has to be revealed. The unsearchable. To me, who am the least of all the same, was this grace given that I should preach the unsearchable riches. Unsearchable riches. The riches of Christ. I preach it. We preach it. We are preaching the riches of Christ. Who he is, what he has done, what he has achieved, what all that has accomplished on the cross for us. Who really, these are the riches of Christ. We got to talk about the riches of Christ. How can you be in church and you have been you, you, are, you are ignorant about the riches of Christ. All you need is a uh, miracle, breakthrough, testimony. No. no. Those things are important. But they are nothing. They are useless. Outside of God coming into reality and coming into grips with the riches of Christ. That's what right. do I mean? With the riches of Christ, who Christ actually is. Yes, 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 yes. What he has done. Yes. If you don't know this, all the miracle you are doing is nothing. That's why you are not a true preacher if we can't find the riches of Christ in your mouth. You are not. You are not a preacher. You are, you are a motivational speaker. You are very eloquent. You are a good organizer. You are good. But the thing I'm saying, Christ is not inside. 
because we have to find the riches of Christ. He said, me who am less than the least of the saints. Was this grace given? To preach that kind of preaching, you require grace. Of his fullness have we received grace for grace. Was this grace given that I should preach? You have to learn how to celebrate preachers. That I should preach. The unsearchable riches of Christ must be preached. It's in the mouth of preachers. You just tell me, I study my Bible, I'm a theologian, and I don't listen to anybody. You can't know God. It's his preachers. Preachers who have encounters with him as they preach the unsearchable riches. As they preach, suddenly begin to go and read again after they have preached. Then you realize, oh, oh, I understand it differently now. Oh, oh, yeah. Then other other ones begin to jump up. Suddenly remember other scripture. Scripture begin to talk with scripture. Anavlogia scriptura. Hallelujah. Wow. So it pleased the Father that in him fullness is getting deeper. And then the verse 20 is, ah, the verse 20, I, I, I just, oh, no. Verse 20. Pastor, verse 20. This is too much. Verse 20. And having me, Jesus made peace. How did he make peace? Through him. Look at this, that phrase, the blood of his cross. There are times he uses the cross. Other times he uses the blood. This why he said, through the blood. That's one of the few times they combined the two. He made peace. He made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, this is the kind of Jesus we are dealing with in the church. He's not only a Jesus for the church. He's the Jesus that is before all things. In him, all things consist. He is the firstborn of every creature. And in the church and everything, he must have the preeminence. That's the Jesus we are talking about. And now he says that, and he, in him, all the fullness, it pleased the Father that fullness should dwell in him. And then goes on to tell us about how verse 20 says that. And having made peace, say made. Made. Not will make. The cross is history. The cross is history. But it's applicable anytime. And it's current. It's a current, it carries current power, current effect. Even though it's history. It's already accomplished. Redemption accomplished. He's done it. And Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Bible talks about, look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Watch this. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty. He has finished that and now he's going to sit down. Hallelujah. When he had by himself purged our sins, he he purged our sins. Do you know what to be for some? Have you taken purgative before? <laughs> it washes your system. Can I tell you something? No amount of bathing or bathing can wash your tattoo. <laughs> no amount of showering or shower. It how intense, doesn't matter, you can use hot water and the worst, wildest soap. The tattoo cannot be washed. Sin is ingrained, imprinted, and worse than tattoo. 
Yeah. That one, sin is not on the skin. Sin is not on the skin. Sin is inside. It's the condition of the heart. The heart of man is desperately wicked. About all things. Jeremiah. Sin is a condition in the heart. We were born like that. We were born deformed. We were born not so good. That's why some of us started lying at the age of two. We were stealing in school. Sin is all part of us. We were born. Children start saying no before yes. A child starts being naughty right from early. And even when they are not aware of themselves, the way this cuddly little thing, three months old child, six months old child can terrorize you with cry. They are so wild, but they are so sweet and cuddly. All the two in one, two, two in one. There's this wildness in this switch thing. And you, 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 when you go to the sweet thing, it's so sweet to be with. But come on, come tear it. And some of the children, when you are breastfeeding them, they will bite, even though they don't. You bleed. Naturally, naturally off. When we arrive, you have gone off. When we are born, we are off. Sin is so deep inside. But Bible says that when he had by himself purged, hey, this thing can be cleaned. Most tattoos cannot be clean. Just you can, you have to do a special something, and even that. However, this sin that is deeper than tattoo. That's deep inside. One man. Yeah. On the cross, he Bible said, when he had by himself purged our sins. It's done already. Why still still walk in sin? He went to sit in heaven. Applying the purgative. He's done it. There's no, uh, there's no need you should be sitting in church and feel guilty. There's absolutely no need. It's uncalled for. It's actually unreasonable. It's actually unreasonable to be sitting in a Chinese buffet. Your friend has paid for you. You have entered. You have entered your rest. Amen. There is absolutely no reason why you should stay in that Chinese restaurant starving. There's, there's no need. There's no need. What's the essence of church? Why should you sit in church guilty? You should come feeling guilty anyway. But when you hear the word, it might wake up awake. Maybe you are not realized that you have gone off. The good word will wake you up yeah. and will convict your heart. Right. And then now, approach Christ. Yes. Wow. Don't stay in church guilty and leave church guilty. It's not reasonable at all. It's, 
is a very unreasonable approach to life. When he had by himself, I can't just pass, go past that one. When Christ has by himself. So when someone is arguing, <laughs> oh, eh, Jesus is just a prophet. They are so low below our frequency. That I, I, I don't even have the energy to engage in such. You're so low that Jesus is just a prophet. How can he say he's the son of God and Jesus is just somebody? You don't know what we are talking about. I just, I just, I just don't have the energy for your level of ignorance and darkness. You are, you are in darkness but think that you are holding light. You don't even have a candle. You have a candle. Cross darkness. We are operating in, in the beam of light. So you see, when you know this Christ and you are, that's why Paul had to take time and speak effectively about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of so that no one gets Colossians, I'm going back again. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7 and verse 8. Listen to that what the Bible says there. This is not part of my text, but let me move and then move on. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Rooted and built up in Christ. Okay, let's I think verse 6 will make sense. If you start off, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Say, walk in him. Walk in him. Tell someone, walk in him. Walk in him. Look at that. How should you do it? Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as he have been taught. You see the teaching, the place of teaching? As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. There's always gratitude. As you are increasing in these things they are teaching you, you are always thankful to God. You are always thankful. Then you are telling God, I'm the one. I'm the one. You have shown me mercy. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, this is why we came. Verse 8. This is why we came here. Beware! Lest any man spoil you through philosophy of vain deceits. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You are in church, but they can spoil you. The people you have been listening to, you have been hanging around, they are spoiling you because not after Christ. This conversation is not after Christ. They are having conversations, and yeah, yeah, you know that one of the day we watch um, drama. Uh, this is it yoga master or something. What was it? Yeah. Yeah, positive energy and all that. <laughs> energy. Energy. You have to speak positive. Think positive. They are spoiling you. After the rudiments of this world. And not after Christ. Vain philosophies. Vain deceits. You can be spoiled. So that is why your Christ-centeredness must keep increasing and growing. Growing. Knowing these things that Paul has spoken about concerning Christ. It took, it took Paul to give us these riches of Christ. The riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches. And later on you'll find out how he says that. The same chapter, chapter 1, Colossians, verse 24. He said, I fulfill in my flesh what is lacking. I rejoice with him. And I fill up that which is behind in the affliction of Christ in my flesh. That is his body, which is the church. Look at the next verse. When I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, the last phrase, to fulfill the word. The actual statement, the word fulfill, the word fulfill, the Greek is to complete. A lot of things that have been said from 
Moses, the prophets, the gospels. If you want to preach the true gospel, you can't find it in the gospels. Okay, that's uh, the place went very quiet. So, <laughs> all that has been said, it requires Paul to complete this revelation about Christ. He was called to complete the revelation. Now the revelation is complete. We don't need any other thing. No extra biblical revelation, extra biblical information can be good enough to help you in your work with God. Whatever it is, if it cannot be traced to the word, if it cannot be traced to what the scripture has said, forget it. Forget it. And you don't need all those things. Why do I need the Quran? <laughs> oh, so that when you admit a Muslim, you can uh, argue. Who told you we call? We are called to preach Christ. Yes. Oh, no, no, but, but, but you have to know. You have to, there's so much I have to know about Christ in the Bible. I haven't finished that. I haven't finished that. No one gets converted from their mind. So stop trying to win people from their minds. Is the heart, the heart of man. That's where the spiritual sin tattoo is. And it spills over to the mind. So the mind has been, it's the, my mom used to tell me something about bile. We used to, Christmas or anytime we slaughter a, a fowl, and then you are addressing it, there's something. But I mean, bile. My mom told me that if that thing is not carefully taking out any best, Everything becomes sour. Yeah. Everything. Everything becomes bitter. I never tasted, I never because they were so good at taking it out. So I never knew the truth of it. But I believe it. There are some things that must be taken out. The bile is in your heart. And it best and it has affected the mind of an unbeliever. But the problem doesn't start from the mind. It starts from the heart. So if God wants to save you, he comes straight for the heart. Mm. That's where the problem is. Yeah. He comes straight for the heart. Yeah. The word of God is meant to rescue the heart first. Wow. Then after the heart is rescued, it can transform the mind. Can I finish this thing? Uh, so, in, he says that, having made peace. Ah, that's so sweet. I'm wondering how I can go past this thing. It's so sweet, sir. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Say the blood of his cross. The blood of his cross. Please say the blood of his cross. The blood of his cross. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, chapter 2 verse 13. Talks about the blood. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says that, But now in Christ Jesus, who sometimes were far of her, are made nigh. How, you, how have you been brought? Nigh them is not nigh, but near. Okay, New King James is better. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, it says that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness. How do you have the redemption? Through his blood. How do you have redemption? Through his blood. In him we have Redemption through his blood. We have redemption through his blood. The blood of the lamb. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, 
and chapter 3, verse 18. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live through righteousness. Now, um, the, our, our redemption was a very expensive venture. The blood brought us redemption, but it's a very expensive venture. It talks about Acts chapter 20, verse 28, how take it to yourself and to the church over which the Holy Spirit has made you of us here to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That's how he got it, the blood. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the Bible says that he suffered to bring us to God. Can you imagine? It's a very expensive venture. It said, but Christ also suffered once for sin. What's the purpose? That the unjust for the unjust, for the unjust that he might bring us to God. It was a very expensive venture. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good. He, he gave himself for us. It's a very, it's a very expensive thing. Our redemption. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do it? Because he was made a curse for us. That's a very expensive venture. Our redemption came at a very high cost. A high cost. A high cost. So he says that he, when he had, verse 20, Colossians chapter 1 verse 20, says that, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by, he's now getting even interest, by him to reconcile. You know, you know, um, human relationships can break down. They tend to break down. They tend to be complicated. That's why when you are going to marry, you have to listen to advice because you will not always feel romantic. <laughs> Some of you are listening to me. You are not ex once. You are an ex, third time, third time ex. In other words, you have three exes. Some of us even have four exes. Say, is it not true? Some have four exes. I mean, you were deep with people at one point in time. And now you don't even want to hear their name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but didn't you, weren't you genuine when you said, I liked, I liked him, I liked her, I love him, I love, weren't you, I, I was really genuine. So what has happened? Human relationships. Tensions. Look at the way you fight in your house with your sister. Ah. You know, brothers and sisters fight. Some of you, in your family, no one gets on with anybody. <laughs> Why is that so? Because human nature, relationships, sometimes, when you have relationships with people, sometimes it can be very demanding, they can be very annoying, they can be very offensive, they, they, they can be very overbearing. <laughs> Husbands can be very annoying, and wives can even be much more annoying. Ask anybody who is married for a while, not yes. six months. Yes. For a while. Yes. They can tell you sometimes my wife or my husband is very annoying. Yes. So that is why we have to be careful how we relate with one another and not fuel what will not help relationships. So what's reconciliation? Where two parties that are at loggerheads are being brought together for peace. That's reconciliation, one. 
Reconciliation is also when there's some kind of trade, commerce, act, commercial activities, financial deliberations, and making sure that the books are balanced to reconcile the books, the spending expenditure with income and all that. Balance the books and balance it. <laughs> so it says that Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 says that, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile. These all things have appeared again. Not only believers. All things mean so. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, it to head up all things in Christ. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one, all things, say all things. All things. In Christ. Some translations say that he might head up all things. So it's not only humanity. That's why the millennium reign of Christ is coming. When the world, the earth, will be, everything will be in subjection, conformity with his reign. So it talks about how to reconcile the problem of the world. Do you know the world? In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 22, it talks about how creation groans. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And I heard from some experts, if you are in a place where there is an earthquake, you hear the earth groaning. Creation groans. The earth has been detached from the maker through sin of man. So the earth was plunged into the reign of the devil. Bible says that for he is the God of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus calls him the ruler, the prince. John chapter 14, verse 30. The prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. In John chapter 12, he says that now the judgment has come and the ruler of this world. Talking about the devil. He is the controller. In Matthew chapter 4, when he appeared to Jesus and he said, bow to me, showed him the glories of the world. He said, bow to me. If you bow to me, I'll give this to you. Is that not what he's been saying to some people? He said, bow and I'll give you a husband. Bow and I'll make you a millionaire. You'll pay dearly for it. You'll pay dearly for it. So all creation has been plunged into satanic control and domination and rule. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it says that, for the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one or the wicked one. The whole life under the sway. So now, I need to run out now. So what's the point here? All creation, Bible says that he died on the cross, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself. All things. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, to reconcile Reconcile. It's a very big Christian word. Let me add this and close. When you become a Christian and you are beginning to be exposed to the riches of Christ, there are things you have to know. There are these words that are Christian words. It's, you must be familiar with them. Let me mention six of them. Number one. Number one, you are talking about justification. Number two, redemption. Number three, forgiveness. Number four, Adoption. Number five, propitiation. 
Number six, reconciliation. These are Christian words. Justification, redemption, forgiveness, adoption, propitiation, reconciliation. These are Christian words that we must know and come to grips with. Uh, somebody who has written a Bible commentator put it, a certain Bible commentator put it this way. Justification is when we guilty and condemned stand before God and God declares as righteous. So justification is for God to declare you righteous. Even though you came to him as a very guilty person and a condemned person. Redemption is for a slave who can release himself to stand before God and God declares you free from your slavery. You have been set free. That's redemption. Forgiveness is when you owe so much you can't pay. You can't pay. And God tells you that your debt is cancelled and wiped off. And so you are free. Go free. That's forgiveness. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Adoption. Adoption is when you are an alien. Very far. Alien. Illegal immigrant. And now you have been accepted into the royal family. That is what adoption, adopted as a child of God. You were actually a stranger, but you have been adopted. That's adopted. God has, God has actually now made you a son. Propitiation. Where you have offended God and his wrath is against you. When he looks at you, he's like this. And, you know, like the Kalima dragon. Fire something. And even though his wrath is against you, has been appeased and is now smiling. You are my best friend. Come, that's okay. Appeased by the work of Christ and redemption, uh, sorry, um, reconciliation. When we have been estranged, we are not, listen, a sinner, forgiveness of sins is enough for a sinner. Redemption, justification, Forgiveness of sins is enough for a sinner, but not for an enemy. A sinner, we were not only sinners, we were enemies. So for that matter, reconciliation is necessary to bring us back, to bring us back into friendship. Mm. An enemy becoming a friend. Yeah. Wow. And that's reconciliation. We're enemies. So sometimes husbands and wives who are estranged can be reconciled. Yes. And former enemies have become friends. Some of us, you, 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 you were straight to your, uh, with your dad, with your mom. I know of boyfriends and girlfriends hey. who were, became bitter enemies and eventually came together and got married. Hey. I know that some of you have dream. <laughs> Especially women. Women never let go. Reconciliation. Somebody say reconciliation. reconciliation. Now, so that's what Jesus has done. He reconciled all things to himself. Next week, I'll continue from reconciliation. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. You're welcome to connect with David Entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. 
You can also find more spirit-filled messages from Caris Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the message. Be blessed.